0: ready oh you don't have a choice i accidentally hit record
1: every once in a while i will go and clear out my safari history because what i do is i open up like 50 different tabs and then i just don't feel like going out and canceling each one of them so i just go clear history and web browser history whatever clear cookies. so you
0: have like Fifty tabs open,
1: uh huh. Like on, yeah. But then it's like I don't need them all, and I don't feel like going through and individually clicking X on all of them, and so I just do like the little shortcut. But then I'm down to zero, and that surprises me when I open up <laughs> Safari. I'm like, oh, where are all of my pages? Oh, right.
0: I it drives me crazy when I have more than ten, and like while I'm doing my notes and everything <laughs> for my episodes, like I it's, it's pretty often <laughs> to have sometimes around fifteen. You know, cross-referencing stuff and everything. I don't know how you do um, that on your phone. What?
1: Take notes. Easily. That would drive me nuts. But anyways, <laughs> continue what you're saying.
0: Well, that's pretty much it. It's just like, I, it, it, it just annoys me having that many tabs open. I,
1: I, my phone would annoy you. <laughs> yeah, it does.
0: Because you also keep all your apps open.
1: I do. And, and I have like a million pages. Yeah. And a million pictures. And yep. <laughs> anyways that's why our marriage works yes hey hi um so question sorry answer why don't you ask a hobbit for money why because they're always a little short okay <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a hobbit party what? A little get together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are uh, hilarious, right? Okay. Right, right. Yep. Best mm-hmm. jokes you've ever heard.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: 100%. Um Okay. Do you know why hobbits are really good people? Why? Cuz they don't look down on anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> are you
1: sensing a theme? Hobbits. Possibly.
0: Are we talking about Tolkien?
1: Possibly. <laughs> okay. I have one more joke for you. Okay. Knock, knock.
0: Who's there?
1: Oh, wait, just kidding. This was not the joke I was going to tell. <laughs> Rewind that. <laughs> um, why did Frodo Baggins put his phone on silent? Why? Because he was tired of the ring. <laughs> Yes, we are talking about J. R. R. Tolkien. Tolkien. I had to look up the pronunciation, and apparently the whole world has been pronouncing it Tolkien. But um that's actually not correct. It is Tolkien. What's your source? Um, the guy who hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: I'm just kidding, I believe you, but we just we just need to verify this for everyone else.
1: Um Okay, literally if you Google Tolkien Tolkien pronunciation, it says is it pronounced Tolkien or Tolkien, but it spells it the same way each time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, um, what are those words that do that? Like,
0: like there, there, and there. Yeah, and but those which, have which different
1: spellings. Which. Yeah. But like the ones that like have different pronunciations, like red and reed. Oh is it pronounced red or reed?
0: Or wound and wound. Yeah or uh wind and wind
1: (laughs) exactly it's like you can put them (laughs) together and then in your head you already know there's a difference between the two
0: is it pronounced w-i-n-d or (laughs) w-i-n-d
1: no so um apparently there was an interview hold on hold on hold on hold please
0: how interesting
1: Okay, so this is according to a 2019 interview. Actor Nicholas Holt, portray- who portrays the author in an upcoming film, said the correct pron- pronunciation was Tolkien.
0: Tolkien.
1: So, I don't know. I have not looked into it. I don't know if that movie about Tolkien's life is out now or if it's still upcoming. But the actor who betrays him said that that's how you pronounce it. Hmm. I will not be saying that last name a whole lot so it doesn't matter
0: i just kind of call him J R R? no <laughs> i'm just
1: kidding jr jr can you imagine throughout the J-R-R. whole thing
0: no that drive me crazy Thank <laughs> you
1: that. anyways before we dive into this story do you have any life updates or anything you want to share with the uh the class here
0: nope my new shoes are great <laughs> he
1: he runs real fast in them yes we,
0: we tested it out <laughs> just kidding yeah, no, New shoes are good We went to a pancake for breakfast this morning That's our For true. A friend, Frontier Days
1: Yeah, so we live in Cheyenne, Wyoming I think we've mentioned that a lot um, And every summer, Cheyenne hosts the largest outdoor rodeo uh, Definitely in the United States It might actually be in the entire world I'm not 100% sure on that But it's the largest outdoor rodeo and so it's, like, a whole week-long event where there's rodeos every day. There's a carnival. There's parades. There's even um a, an air show put on by the Air Force Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the Monday and Friday during Frontier Days, they do a pancake breakfast. We went to that this morning. And it's... Yep. I was telling Miles this this morning. Um, it's basically the city's way of testing out their... Response
0: to an emergency or a disaster
1: yeah like an emergency situation to see how fast or how many people they can feed in a certain amount of time um and so obviously it's a fun event but it really is actually for the city numbers to know like how many people they can get through and and how uh, and if they're able to uh have the resources to do that so it's actually pretty cool
0: yeah and ever since we've lived in cheyenne and you know i i've known about frontier days Courtney has always told me like we need to do pancake breakfast but like i've always either been working or sleeping in sleeping in <laughs> i think just working, working yeah, yeah i think just working um
1: because so it's anyway,
0: yeah because and so she's hyped this thing up she's she's always said every time she brings it up she's like the line it looks super long but they get used through really quickly they like do half yeah. hour and yeah sure enough we, we went through really quickly the apparently i had a couple people say this in line but the line that we were in this morning was like the shortest that most people have ever seen it.
1: Yeah, yep, yep, yep.
0: Which was pretty interesting. But they had uh, downtown. They had like a whole road blocked off for it for a line, um, uh-huh. and then had cones in the middle of the of the road as well to kind of like separate people going one way and then uh-huh. yeah. Anyway.
1: Yep. So it's a it's a fun thing, and I mean it's not like spectacular like you get three pancakes and some syrup and and you know it's not like the most glamorous thing ever but it's just really fun like community event and
0: yeah it's definitely something you can get at home but
1: but it's also one of those like you kind of just need to do it at least once it's it's for the experience not for the food yeah for sure um yeah so that was that was a good time um anything else
0: no i think that's all i got
1: Cool. i'm leaving you tomorrow Yeah, I know. We don't need to talk about it. (laughs) So actually, fun fact, this is uh, a weird episode because we're recording this Monday night.
0: Instead of the traditional Friday night. Yeah. The day before it's supposed to come out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we're recording this Monday because Miles is leaving for a work trip tomorrow and won't get back until Saturday evening, which now that I think about it probably isn't something that we should announce because that means I'm home alone for a week. However, this doesn't come out until Saturday. True. It's Just, like, safety tips. Come on.
0: So which part do you want me to cut out?
1: You can leave all of that in. Okay. I was just, like, thinking out loud. It's a good thing this comes out after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I um, recently went and watched Sound of Freedom. And for those of you who haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. But without getting into it, it's just had a lot of, like, safety stuff on my mind recently and like ways that we could make ourselves safer just in general so that's kind of why that slipped out anyways go watch that movie all right
0: yeah don't come at my family or i'll come at you
1: I i'll just... cut that out <laughs> but... <laughs> no leave it in okay. let him know <laughs> just kidding no um
0: i have a particular set of skills
1: <laughs> that mostly involve pokemon just hey, kidding <laughs>
0: it comes in handy. There was um you probably haven't seen them, but there are there are videos of this guy going around asking random people like name this pokemon for like a dollar each one you get right. And there was one he only asked 3, and there was one guy who was who answered them all 3 correctly. And then I commented on it and I said something along the lines of um my mom said never uh my mom always said I'd never amount to anything in life, but like wait till she finds out i can make (laughs) three (laughs) dollars
1: she would be very proud yeah (laughs) or would she that (laughs) that was it wasn't the
0: most like comment on that video but it was i think it was like the second or third
1: you got some attention i got some attention on the tickety talk yep all right miles are you ready for a story i am ready what if i told you i wasn't ready then i would tell you to suck it up fair enough So um, this story is not one that I would have initially looked up myself. This is actually recommended to me. And for those of you who don't know this about me, I've actually never seen the Lord of the Rings. I
0: know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we brought it up on
1: probably one of the episodes
0: previously, but
1: yeah. So I've never seen the Lord of the Rings. I've seen parts of them. Um, my family has watched the movies with me in their presence before, but I have never sat through start to finish lord of the rings um even one time when miles and i were dating uh we were at his parents house in oregon and we were watching a movie with his parents and they put on lord of the rings and then they decided they wanted to go to bed and as soon as they left we switched the movie Mm -hmm. i don't think we ever told them that but
0: well they know now i mean it doesn't really matter anyways what did we watch off i think it was newsies Newsies. that's Mm -hmm. right yeah
1: I just thought that was so funny because I had mentioned I had never seen it. And your parents were like, okay, well, let's watch it. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, we were not watching it anymore.
0: They, yeah, everyone was asleep. <laughs> Those are uh, good, though. Like, we, really, I, I want them to be, like, a part of our family. Lord of the Rings? Yes.
1: So uh, you're saying at some point I need to suck it up and sit down and watch them? Yes. Yeah. I have seen at least two of the Hobbit movies, though. Right. In theaters, which is funny. But that was, you know, when I think they came out when I was in high school, so it was like a social thing to go and see the movies. Mm -hmm. So
0: We should have a day where we invite like a couple of friends and invite them to, you know, dress up in cosplay. All (laughs) of their in cosplay. And we can just have a 12-hour movie marathon.
1: That was the nerdiest thing I've ever heard you suggest, and I love it. Okay, so step one, get friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, but yeah, no, so um, that was such a Midwestern thing to say. Yeah, no. This story of Tolkien, Tolkien is actually super interesting. I'm not necessarily talking about the hobbit or the lord of the rings i'm telling the story of his life which he has a really cool life and like i said i would have never known that had this not been suggested to me mm-hmm. i don't really remember who suggested it it probably was Alyssa because she suggested like 50 percent of the stories that are on my list so whoever it was if it was you Alyssa, or not and thank then jesse's you. the other 50 right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah real, so. real quick
0: i have to mention this before my dad gets on my case about this so, like, the the yeah, no thing. Yeah. It's also a, a super Australian thing as well. It's like, Really? Yeah, nah, nah, yeah. Oh, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was something that, I mean, obviously, I served my mission in Wisconsin, so people would always, like, ingrain that in you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're in the Midwest, you got to say things like this now. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I didn't realize that about Australia, but it makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, it's a very Australian thing. It's like, yeah, nah, nah, yeah.
1: I also feel like it's natural in today's vocabulary to say that. probably, Or to say things like that maybe i'm wrong
0: anyway sorry you can continue <laughs> with your um talking about Alyssa.
1: oh yeah so i was just gonna say whoever suggested this i appreciate it because i learned a lot about this guy and he is actually super cool and i really feel like you would relate to him in a lot of ways so let's uh because i like
0: it. dragons just kidding sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding no because you were born in 1892
0: you old grandpa <laughs> <Just> <laughs> hey, don't share my secrets
1: <laughs> So, JRR stands for John Ronald R- uh Rule, Tolkien, Tolkien. <laughs> I'm already saying it. John Ronald Rule Tolkien. He was born on January 3rd, 1892 in Orange Free State, which at the time that's what it was known as, which is basically a British territory in South Africa. Okay. So he was British citizen, but he was born in South Africa. He actually was known by his family as Ronald. So for the sake of the story, I will be calling him Ronald. Okay. But for publicity purposes, he went by J.R.R. Tolkien.
0: That's a good so. writer name, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. But Ronald is the name I will be using because that's what his family called him.
0: Like C.S. Lewis did the same thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I actually bring him up later. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, I figured you would. So. <laughs> sorry, go ahead.
1: Just for a minute, but yeah. So... Uh, Ronald uh, he was the firstborn he of his family he was born to Arthur Rule Rulkeen, who was a bank manager and then his mother's his name was Mabel. Mabel was a stay-at-home mom she didn't have a profession and they were originally from England hence the you know British, england you know citizenship mm-hmm. but arthur was sent to the british territory in south africa after being promoted as head of office for their branch down there oh, okay. so pretty good opportunity uh john was born there and then a couple years later his younger brother whose name was hillary hillary arthur rule tolkien was born in 1894 on february 17th and it was just the two of them so they didn't have any more siblings after that cool So, a couple fun facts while they were living in South Africa as a small child. So, like, toddler age. Actually, we'll go to the other one first. When he was an infant, he was actually kidnapped by, um, like, a a young family servant. But it wasn't very serious because it was never technically reported. And the guy brought the baby back the next day. Hmm. So, I think he just, like, borrowed him for the night and was like, let me show him off to my family. (laughs) Because he's, you know...
0: Or, like, sometimes people use babies to pick up chicks.
1: Maybe. So like- Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it just said that he um, brought the baby back to his homestead and then brought him back the next morning. And so I don't know how serious it was. I don't know if the parents were panicking. I just know that this happened and then they got him back the next day. My guess is it had something to do with race is that you know south africa obviously like when you think of that you picture people who are darker skinned you know african-american necessarily or most likely maybe um or at least i do so and, i mean
0: south africa is i'm pretty sure predominantly white but, oh really mm-hmm.
1: well he was also labeled as a family servant and this was you know late 1800s and family servants typically were also True. african-american yeah. I guess in this case, he wouldn't be American, so he'd just be black. I just don't want to be, like, racist. Anyways, that was my guess, is that he just wanted to show off this, like, white baby. (laughs) But if they are predominantly white, then that wouldn't make sense. But
0: You could be right as well, because back then, I'm not sure how it was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It was just interesting that, like, this baby was gone for 24 hours, and then they just moved on with their lives, but... (laughs) Uh, another thing, so when he was a toddler, like I was about to say, he was actually bitten by a large baboon spider. Do you know oh, what that is? Oh, I do not. So it's basically a subspecies of tarantulas. Um, they are venomous, but they're not, like, lethal venomous.
0: So, like, you just get fever or something?
1: Yeah, so typically, like, if you do get a pretty severe reaction, it, it just involves, like, dizziness and vomiting. Probably a fever um, but what they do say is the bites are very painful. I believe it. So this little. Cause can you or... imagine
0: those fangs? Like,
1: yeah. So typically, I mean, if anybody's worried about it, they usually don't bite unless they're provoked. And I'm sure a little toddler provoked it. But, um, he ended up being just fine. That's good. So <laughs> at the age of three, Ronald went with his mom, Mabel and Hillary back to England. They went to go visit family. However, while they were gone, Arthur contracted feet of. Uh, a rheumatic fever and he passed away before he could join them. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. You know, they didn't have the type of medicine we do now. But because he died, Mabel, being a stay at home mom, didn't have income of her own. So she couldn't care for her children by herself. And she had no reason to go back to South Africa. So she moved it back in with her parents, with her children. And they moved to a little town called Sarah which is now Green Hall. Uh, which is in Birmingham.
0: Oh, gotcha. Also, I was wrong. Um, South Africa is mostly black. Mostly black. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that I, was that's I, my. I guess. looked
0: it up because I'm like, I don't want to say anything wrong, so I have to like you know, check what I think.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm not like I said, I'm not trying to be racist. That's just my personal guess. Is because I've heard of stories of people going to like. Um, asian countries Mm -hmm. and people being super fascinated with their skin color right yeah um because you don't see it a lot so that's Mm -hmm. my guess is you know late 1800s is they see a white baby and they're like let me just show this off to other people you know
0: no that that makes more sense Yeah, because like most of the people that i've met this is the reason why i think i've never i don't have any like uh i don't know anything to back up what i said about it being mostly white Uh uh-huh um but most of the people that i've met from south africa are are white so like in my mind
1: i have too now that, like now that you say that i mm-hmm. have met a few people from south africa who are white yeah. so i totally get what you're saying
0: i think like the the more populated area like the you know the capital and everything are mostly white but like as far as the actual country yeah anyway sorry
1: <laughs> no no you're good proceed um anyway so here we are now uh arthur's passed away mabel has two kids on her own and now they've moved in with her parents in birmingham and then a couple years later she's able to provide a, at least a little bit better for her kids and so they move to their own little cottage and that's basically where ronald spent the majority of his childhood was in this little cottage with his mom and his brother mm-hmm. And he talks about how he loved to explore the local mills and the bogs. And his one of his favorite places to visit was his Aunt Jane's farm, which was called Bag End. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad he did that. Why do oh. you do that? Tell me why you do that.
0: Because that's the uh like the name of the uh the shot well, like the place where the hobbits live. Yeah. The little village.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Going back to how I've never seen Lord of the Rings, I'm not very familiar with the stories. I, like I said, I watch The Hobbits for social events. Um, I know very little about this, but there are a lot of references from his life that he puts into these stories.
0: That's so cool. And Did he know someone named Gandalf? No. I'm just, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know that, a was a, that was a specific mention was that that was a name used
0: back in the story so I wanted to see
1: without me telling you I wanted to see if you had recognized that (laughs) that's cool (laughs) anyways okay moving on so Mabel homeschooled Ronald and Hillary she loved to teach her sons about botany which for those who don't know is the science of plants Um, Ronald loved to learn uh, sorry Ronald learned to love the look and the feel of plants and he loved to draw them Uh, which later comes into play as he's illustrating his books. However, his favorite subject was language, which is why my first thought was Miles would relate to him because I feel like this is something that you also thoroughly enjoy. Mm -hmm. So as a child, his mom actually taught him some Latin, and he continues to study that throughout his life, but that's where it started was his mom teaching him Latin as a, a small boy. Nice. So at the age of four... By the age of four, Ronald could read fluently and then shortly after was able to write fluently.
0: Age 4 mm-hmm.
1: What? <laughs> and starting at that age, he actually started to read lots of books and he gained quite the opinion about a lot of books too. So, like... Hopper hey, needs to catch up a little bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's only too. It's all <laughs> <I know>. good. <laughs> I'm not
0: going to pressure her to do it, but... Yeah, anyway.
1: I think you're going to love this. So, he had strong opinions on a lot of classics. He hated Treasure Island. And he also hated the the paid paid Piper. I know that the The Pied Piper? The Pied Piper, thank you. I'll say I've seen that title before, but I don't know what that's about.
0: It's about this guy who leads children into sort of river. Basically it's it's just one of those fairy tales where like this guy comes into town, playsing plays his pipe, it'll attract the children and he takes them away
1: yeah i would hate that too yeah well he hated that one so that's good um he thought alice in wonderland was quote amusing but disturbing and i mean yeah
0: <laughs> have you seen who who did the remake of that one or like the live action version who directed that
1: it was like tim Burton or something like that. yeah yeah uh-huh
0: and he he's weird his movies are weird so <laughs> yeah um if, if he saw that now he'd be like what the heck It's even more disturbing <laughs> anyway continue
1: Uh, He loved to read stories about, quote, red Indians or Native Americans. That's what they were mostly referred to. But his favorite authors at the time were George MacDonald and Andrew Lang, who wrote what he called fairy books or fantasies. Oh, cool. So that's what he mostly enjoyed. So in the year 1900, Ronald's mother converted to Catholicism, which ended up being a really big deal because her family were very devout Baptists. And they basically told her, like, okay, if you're going to do this, we're not going to financially support you anymore. Oh, rough. So they were already living on their own, but basically their finances got cut off, and so they kind of just had to, like, live pretty small. And during this time, she actually fell pretty ill and couldn't really afford the care, and she ended up passing away in 1904 from acute diabetes when oh. Ronald was only 12. Oh, and no. Yeah, the sad thing, too, is that Mabel was only 34 when she died. That's sad. Yeah. But the thing is, is that 34 was actually a pretty standard age for people to die with, like, type 1 diabetes around that time. It just said that she had acute diabetes, so it wasn't confirmed if it was type 1. But insulin was not discovered until 1921. Right, right. So there wasn't much they could have done anyway, even if she had the money for it. Which is sad, but that's was just kind of the reality back then, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, that's not a... Easy way to live either.
1: Yeah, I mean, even Diabetes today, can be painful. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Anyways, um, so that happened nine years. So this is just something like a little tribute that um, Ronald wrote about his mom nine years later. He wrote, "My own dear mother was a martyr indeed, and it is not to everybody that God grants so easy a way." to his great gifts as he did to hillary and myself giving us a mother who killed herself with labor and trouble to ensure us keeping the faith so obviously like he loved his mom Mm -hmm. and she did a really good job of raising them and wanted them to be good people so before she died she actually assigned the guardianship of her sons to her close friend which this actually kind of made me laugh but her close friend was father francis xavier morgan of the birmingham uh orator So, and she had the special request that he raise them to be good Catholics. And the reason that made me laugh is because I'm like, he was the father of this church. How often did people, like, leave guardianship of their children to him? Yeah. I just thought that was funny. I'm like, were they actually good friends? Or was he just, like, her priest? (laughs) Probably. Maybe both.
0: Maybe both. Because it's not uncommon... In the Catholic Church for, you know, orphans, for example, uh-huh. um, a lot of orphans in the Catholic Church are taken under, like, the, the tutelage of the mm-hmm. um, of the priest.
1: Yeah, and I, I I kind of knew that, and so that's part of the reason why that was a little bit funny to me, that she just, like, left the guardianship to him. Yeah. And the way it was phrased was, like, close friend, and then, like, it left his title, and I was like, hmm, interesting, but...
0: I mean, maybe he's the one that converted her to Catholicism. Yeah, maybe. And, like, the reason that he was a close friend was due to that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, she had to have been close with him if her family was not happy about it. She yeah. had to have someone, right. right, that she was leaning on. Anyway, Lean so... on me. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. sorry. <laughs> no, you're okay. So he ended up becoming their guardian. Uh, anyways, so... Moving on a little bit, when Ronald was a teenager, he encountered for the first time a constructed language. Do you know what that is?
0: One that you make up yourself?
1: Uh-huh. Basically, like, an unofficial language. The way that it's described, if you, like, Google it, is, you know, there's there's normal language that kind of develops naturally over time, mm-hmm. and then there's constructed, where you make it up on purpose. And it's usually for fiction, for, like, writings and stuff like that.
0: Synthetic language. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so this language is called Anamolic and it was invented by his cousins Mary and Marjorie. At the time, obviously Ronald was still studying Latin and Anglo Saxon. Oh. And so language was just interesting to him. However, uh eventually they quit pursuing anamolic and that language just died out. Um but they actually created a new language together, the three of them. So Ronald, Mary, and Marjorie created a new language called Nivbosh. Nivbosch. Yep.
0: Who came up with that name?
1: No idea. <laughs> and then later in life, Ronald created a language all by himself called Nafarin. So he also learned Esperanto. Do you know what that is?
0: Yeah, that's a funny language. It was supposed so. Esperanto was supposed to be that language that um, kind of like English was like supposed to be universally known. Mm-hmm. But it kind of just, I don't know, fizzled.
1: Well, it is technically still the yeah. most known. Oh, is it? Well, it's it's the most known constructed language. Oh, okay. I see. So it's not obviously like an official language that's used, mm-hmm. but it is the most known out of that category. Mm-hmm. So he did learn that before 1909 and then on June 10th, 1909, he composed what is called the Book of Foxrick, which is a 16-page notebook where the earliest example of one of his invented alphabets appears. So, in that book, he puts his own alphabet okay. in it, basically. And then there's short texts in the notebook that are written in Esperanto. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. It's like, it's totally made-up language but he like wrote a book in it Mm -hmm. anyway (laughs) i don't know language is funny
0: i mean what better way to secure language than you know write a book
1: yeah and i mean there's an official record of the alphabet that he made up in this little book so just that was cool okay and then another thing In 1911, while he was at King Edward's School, Ronald and a few of his friends created a semi-secret society (gasps) called TCBS, which stood for Tea Club and uh, Bavarian Society. They would drink tea from the barrow stores that were nearby, and then they would meet in secret at the school library.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
1: It was a very small club. It was about four or five people, but uh, they were established gentlemen drinking their tea together.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know how much we love secret societies.
1: (laughs) Yes. Let me in. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, It
0: probably still exists.
1: I don't actually think this one does, but they did stay in touch. That's what they want you to think. Maybe. Hey. It's
0: all a conspiracy.
1: We know too much. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The members did stay in touch after school, and they even met for a council meeting in London in 1914 after they had already graduated, which was pretty cool i mean they could just call it a bromance and call it a day but <laughs> no i'm just where's using. the fun in that where's the tea <laughs> Literally. Ha, 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 ha. okay so back to 1911 uh so ronald went away on a summer holiday in switzerland and this trip specifically what's the word inspired bilbo's journey across the Mid- misty mountains
0: okay you have me intrigued.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so in a letter written in 1968, he describes how he directly based his adventure on their party of twelve and how they had hiked from Interlaken to Lauterbrunnen. These are all English names, so don't come at me, okay? <laughs> um, and then they went encamped in the moraines beyond Murren, and just like they basically were just in the wilderness for a while, and and they was I love. They went on this, like, really cool adventure, and they saw a lot of really awesome things. Like Filder. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, not that I would know, but that's... (laughs) (laughs)
0: I mean, you've seen The Hobbit.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that that was kind of where that inspiration came from with the Misty Mountains is Switzerland and his journey there in 1911. I thought I put something else in there about that, but I guess not. Basically, later in life, he said one of his biggest regrets was ever walking away from those mountains, but, like... He had nothing established there, so he had to, you Mm -hmm. know, it was just a trip. But it was just one of those scenes where it was so beautiful and breathtaking and amazing that it was just hard for him to walk away from it. So I thought that was cool. Okay, so then October of 2011, Ronald began his studies at Oxford. And initially he was studying just classic literature. But then in 1913, he changed his major to study English language and literature. He graduated in 1915 with first class honors. Wow. So let's talk about his love life, shall we? Right now. Is there a love in Lord of the Rings?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a a side story, but. I was
1: going to say more so than that creepy guy in the ring. Gollum? Gollum, yeah. (laughs)
0: Smeagol? Yeah, so Aragorn and what's her name? Not glad I can't remember her name. She's an she's a uh, an elephant princess though. Okay. Um they have a little love interesting. Interesting. So, in the Lord of the Rings, so this is I can probably mention this later, but I'm gonna mention it now before I forget. Um <laughs> So the other day, you know, I was scrolling through TikTok, I saw this this thing, and I knew I was gonna like as soon as I saw it, I'm like, this is gonna be a joke, but I wanna see like how it plays out. It was um, like if, how long the Lord of the Rings would last if, uh, we only used, um, the footage like of two females talking to each other <laughs> and it was like <laughs> no more than a five second clip. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was really funny. I you have think to, I've seen that before and I have, obviously
1: yeah. had no idea. <laughs> and so I watched that and I was like, oh, okay then. Yeah.
0: It's one of those things is like, you don't realize it until someone points it out. It's like, oh. Oh yeah, same thing with Star Wars as well. Like there's hardly any female to female interaction. <laughs> so anyway.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. No, so I'm I'm curious then, there is no mention of this being a parallel in the books. But you have to let me know if any of this sounds possibly like a parallel. If not, that's totally fine. But when Ronald was sixteen, he and his brother Hillary moved into a boarding house in Duchess on Duchess Road. While he was there, he met a woman named Edith Mary Brought, who was 19 years old. So he was 16, she was 19, she was three years older. However, the two of them hit it off, and they would actually go on like these mini dates and they would go to a tea house together and they would sit on the balcony and throw sugar cubes onto the hats of people passing by. <laughs> and whenever their bowl of sugar cubes ran out, they would just like move to another table. And that keep going. <laughs> is
0: the best thing. <laughs> we should do that. <laughs>
1: So that was like their little thing that they would do. However, Father Morgan considered their relationship quote unfortunate because Edith was older, and she was Protestant. Oh. So it's probably mostly that he was, she's was Protestant, but he didn't want to sound like a jerk. So he was forbidden like forbidden love. He was like she's too old for you, brah. Uh, he probably didn't see it like that. I guess you could say
0: <laughs> that Frodo and Samwise is also kind of a love story, but that's more of like a
1: Bromates brotherhood
0: yeah like a brotherhood love like anyway sam's the real hero
1: i have no (laughs) opinion
0: we need to watch it (laughs) and then you can have your own opinion after that
1: okay so because of the tension in his personal life with like father morgan and then like being distracted everything ronald actually started to fail his exams and not do that great in school on
0: purpose or no this was
1: kind of a consequence like a natural consequence so because of that, Father Morgan made Ronald agree to stop seeing Edith until he was 21 years old, Oof. which is a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyways, Ronald did keep his promise other than one time right before he turned 21, or I think he was like 19 or 20. Anyways, when Father Morgan found out, he threatened to not pay his tuition for college. And so he had to like keep his promise. Otherwise, he had like nothing. However, so the night of his 21st birthday, he wrote a letter to Edith. And in this letter, he expressed his love for her, how he, he always loved her, and how he wanted nothing more than to marry her.
0: Aww.
1: However, Edith wrote back and confessed that she was tired of waiting and she was worried that Ronald had forgotten about her. So, for fear of becoming an old maid, she accepted an- another proposal.
0: <sighs> Poor Ronald.
1: So, the proposal was from George Field. However, at the end of the letter, she did let him know that receiving his word changed everything so ronald as soon as he could on january 8th five days after his birthday he went to go see edith
0: seeing a married woman ronald
1: (laughs) an engaged woman
0: an engaged woman
1: she met him on the platform of his train station and the two of them went to the countryside and they sat sat under a railroad viaduct where they talked for a while
0: Mm, is that what they're calling it now
1: (laughs) Edith agreed to marry Ronald. Oh, yay. So she had to call for proposal to George and return her engagement ring. Obviously, he was not okay with it, but eventually he's like, whatever, you do you. And he just like left them alone. During this time, Edith was staying with a family friend whose name was C.H. Jessup. <clears throat> and Jessup wrote an, a letter to Edith's guardians where he basically just expressed his concerns. He said that he didn't really have an issue with Ronald as a person, but he just seemed, you know, immature. Like, he doubted that he was ready for marriage, and he also didn't have a profession, which was concerning. Like, how could he provide for Edith? However, after Edith and Ronald officially got engaged, Edith announced that she was converting converting to Catholicism after Ronald insisted, which caused a lot of tension with her family because they were very adamantly anti Catholic.
0: Hmm.
1: They were Protestant. Right. If you don't if you remember. Yeah, yeah. So once they found out, once Jessup found out, he basically kicked Edith out and told her to go live somewhere else. Oh, so rough. yeah. So the the two were formally engaged in nineteen thirteen. Ronald and Edith, however, did not actually get married until March twenty second of nineteen sixteen, which is also Bryson and Schnell's anniversary. Oh. Shout out to them. <laughs>
0: They share our anniversary
1: with um. Ninety eight years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh okay so. In a so in nineteen forty one sorry just kind of fast forwarding a little bit, Ronald wrote a, a detailed letter of his life to his son Michael, and so I'll be referencing this letter quite a bit. But basically in his nineteen forty one letter, um, Ronald expressed basically how much he admired his wife for her willingness her willingness at the time to marry a man had no job no money no prospects except for the likelihood of being killed in war Mm -hmm. it's like that was what she was up against was someone who had nothing to offer and could potentially be lost because of the war that had happened or that Mm -hmm. just started so speaking of that this is also part of the reason why their engagement was so long, because in August of 1914, Britain entered the First World War. Ronald didn't immediately volunteer to join the war. He actually, he entered into a program which delayed his enlistment, basically with the um, understanding that he would complete his degree first. Mm-hmm. However, not joining the war was basically like you were publicly ridiculed for it. Like people just look down on you for that. So it ended up being like kind of taking a toll on him mentally because not only was like the people around him kind of shunning him for not joining right away, but also so was his family and they were pressuring him to join. So he passed his finals in July of 1915 and then on July 15th of 1915, he enlisted. Okay. Yeah.
0: So at least he did it. Yeah. Eventually, but.
1: Yeah, and that was the agreement was to join after you got your degree. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he would have jumped right into it if it hadn't been for, you know, public backlash and his family also. So he was commissioned as a temporary second lieutenant and he was trained with he trained with the 13th Reserve Battalion near Staffordshire for 11 months, which 11 months to be away from your fiance. Yeah, it's rough. In we're a letter of a four days. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We have it easy for sure. Mm-hmm. In a letter to Edith, he complained that, quote, gentlemen are rare among the superiors and even human beings are rare indeed. So he did not have a good time. People were mean. <laughs> Anyways, they ended up getting married in nineteen sixteen, like I had said, and they moved close to the training camp. And then on June second, nineteen sixteen, he received a telegram telegram summoning him to Folkestone, which was being posted to France. So he had to move to France. Or, you know, he was shipped over to France.
0: Yeah, I would dread that too.
1: <clears throat> so Just
0: kidding. I haven't been to France, I have no opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know many details, but obviously you can assume they spent their final night before his departure in a room in the plow and harrow hotel in birmingham so probably was very emotional i could imagine mm-hmm. uh he later wrote quote junior officers were being killed off a dozen a minute parting from my wife then it was like a death mm. so he basically just like walked away from her thinking this is it i'm never gonna see you again and they would only even married for two months uh, three months
0: that'd be really sad
1: yeah Anyways, moving on to France. So on June 5th, Ronald traveled overnight on a voyage to, uh, I think it's pronounced Calais. He was assigned as a signal officer to the 11th Service Battalion. While he was waiting to be summoned to his unit, Ronald was very bored. He was there for, this is June 5th until June 27th. So he's just kind of just killing time. Mm -hmm. So while he was there, he wrote a poem called The Lonely Isle, which was inspired by like the voyage across the sea and how he was feeling during that. Also, this is interesting. So you remember how he created his own language? Mm-hmm. He also developed a code to evade British army's postal censorship so that he could talk to Edith in code and oh, so that she could cool. track his movements, basically like where he was being sent to and stuff. Cause those are the kind of things they want like censored out so that it doesn't fall into like enemy hands. Right. Yeah. But he was able to kind of talk to her in secret, which was super cool
0: nice yeah smart thinking
1: yeah i'm glad that she was able to figure it out too because if you had done that with me i'd have been like what in the crap
0: i mean they probably figured out something before him leaving but
1: oh yeah maybe i would have just assumed you were doodling to me like <laughs> nice thanks <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm not a very good drawer as, as it is but <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, okay so he finally joined the battalion on june 27th He loved the men that he was working with, but he was prohibited from building relationships with other ranks per military protocol. And so instead, he was required to take charge of them, discipline them, train them, and probably censor their letters, if possible. Mm. He was also supposed to inspire their love and loyalty. He later lamented, quote, "...the most improper job of any man is bossing other men. Not one in a million is fit for it, and least of all those who seek the opportunity." So he did not like what he was doing. He it was just, basically, from what I was reading, he just really admired the people he worked with. He wanted to get to know them, but he couldn't. Instead, he was basically bossed around to boss other people around, and he yeah. didn't like that.
0: So. No, I I get that, too, because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, being in kind of a leadership position when people look up to you, like, I, I enjoy being, because, yeah, I, I enjoy being in those kind of positions. Um, but when you're forced to, like, discipline... And, like, push people around. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I guess I can relate a little bit to that.
1: Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Especially because, like, it, I mean, military discipline is different. Yes. It's a lot harsher. And I'm sure, you know, he had to be more harsh than he ever would have naturally um, with people that he wanted to love and respect mm-hmm. and, and get to know, you know, because it's like he's away from his wife. He's in a foreign country, you know. It's lonely, and he's over here having to be hard. Yeah, you know,
0: which I I get not building relationships as well because, like, I mean, they are just soldiers at, at this point in the war. So it's mm-hmm. like you know, these people are going to die. It's going to ruin your mentality and like make you unfit for war, kind of stuff. So yeah, like I get it, but yeah, that would suck.
1: Yeah, it would be hard. And I honestly, I I was thinking about this too, and I wonder how much of that is true today Mm -hmm. and i have family members who have been in the military but i've never heard of like that being a thing it's like you hear about them having buddies and having relationships with people but it's always been from what i've heard within the same rank Mm -hmm. you know because people that you work with every day yeah i but i've never thought like oh like do you have a relationship with someone who is in charge of you or someone you're in charge of And it would make sense why that wouldn't come naturally, but it's like, if you do hit it off with someone, are you even allowed to? Right. So, I'm curious about that.
0: Might be worth an ask.
1: Yeah. Hey, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So, going back to Edith, obviously, while she was waiting at home, she was very stressed, and as I totally would be, I I get this 100%, she said that every time someone would knock on her door, she thought they were bringing her the news of her Mm. husband's death. Every single time. And... I'm sure it wasn't just her. I've seen movies of, you know, even civil wars and and other wars with with American soldiers and families having to be told the news. And you just fear every phone call, every knock on the door. And so I get that. But thanks to this code that uh, Ronald was able to give her, she was able to track his whereabouts, essentially. So she would watch the map and and wait for his letters and just kind of see where he was at. Anyways, so... On October 27th, so a few months later, uh, Ronald's battalion attacked Regina Trench. According to his children, later they said in later years, he would occasionally talk uh, of being in that front, mostly of the horrors of the first German gas attack and the utter exhaustion and ominous quiet after the bombardment. And this part gets really sad. So, quote, of the whining scream of the shells and the endless marching always on foot through a devastated landscape, sometimes carrying the men's equipment as well as his own to encourage them to keep going. Some remarkable relics surviving from that time, a trench map he drew himself, pencil written orders to carry bombs to the fighting line, end quote. So that's one of those things is hearing like the stories from war. He wasn't there for a long time. But just thinking about like walking through these towns that he helped gas and Mm -hmm. bomb and attack and knowing what he could have seen and having to be the one to encourage people to keep going. Like that would be so hard. Especially
0: considering his like well, just his personality as well. Like that would Mm -hmm. that would be really tough.
1: Yeah, but I also think it's cool that he was able to draw up the trench map and pencil-written orders to carry the bombs to the fighting line. I think that's cool that that was able to survive so many years later that he mm-hmm. had those. Probably not something he'd want to remember, but it's cool just knowing the history of the war. Oh, yeah. So. And unfortunately, a lot of his friends from school were killed in the war. Rob Gilson, who was a member of TCBS, was killed on the first day of the attacks as he led his men in the assault on Beaumont Ham- or Butemont Hamel. And then another member of the TCBS club, Jeffrey Smith, was killed during battle when the German artillery shell landed on his first aid post. Mm-hmm. So, remember, it was only, like, four or, four or five guys, and that's half of them wiped out in this war. Which I didn't realize when I was originally taking the notes that he was with them, but they were, like, part of this raid with him. So, just sad knowing that. Mm-hmm. During this attack, this lasted over a month um he actually can ronald contracted trench fever which is a disease that is carried by lice and because of this he was sent back to england for his health on november 8th 1916 after returning home he heard that most of his battalion was almost completely wiped out after he left so bittersweet he was able to return home because of his illness which is you know The bitter part is having to be sick, Mm -hmm. but it also saved his life. Yeah. Essentially. It's like,
0: imagine how different things would be if things took a different turn.
1: Yeah, he could have been one of the most that were wiped out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, he was able to go home. He was deemed medically unfit for general service for the remainder of the war. He spent a lot of time going between hospitals and then garrison duties, which are just kind of like local duties. And then he also spent a lot of time recovering in a cottage with his wife in Little Haywood in Staffordshire. Uh, There he began writing what he called the Book of Lost Tales. He was attempting to create a mythological scene for England. However, he never completed the project. Ronald continued to suffer from his illness in 1917 and in 1918, uh, but he would periodically be well enough to do some service at various camps. During this time... In 1917, Edith gave birth to their first son, John Francis Rule Tolkien. And this is interesting, uh, coming from like a parent perspective, learning about this. He later described, basically, like the conception of his son. As so it says, quote: He conceived and carried. He was conceived and carried during the starvation year of 1917, and the Great U-boat campaign round about the Battle of Cambrai. And the end of the war seemed as far off as it does now. So that was in the 1941 letter that he wrote to his son. Mm -hmm. So basically, when they conceived him and gave birth to him, their world around them was kind of like in shambles. Which is interesting because it's like you almost don't want to bring a child into the world like that. It almost wouldn't be good news necessarily that she would have gotten pregnant, you know? Like I I can't even imagine how scared they were.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Harper was born during the whole, well, kind of on like towards the end of it, but like the whole COVID thing.
1: The, yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, because
0: mm-hmm. I mean, we still had to wear our masks in the hospital. hmm Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna say that was, I don't, I think it was as hard as what they probably went through back then, because they didn't have the the technology that we have for, for all that and not the medical research search and stuff like that.
1: So yeah, well, and like. The hope like it just sounds almost like it was a hopeless situation Mm -hmm. and here they are bringing in a child yeah and that in itself bringing in a child is such a wonderful experience so it's like you want to be excited but like how could you knowing what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. around you you know
0: it's like in the walking dead when um what's her face gives birth to a baby in the first season yeah Lori gives birth to a baby Mm -hmm. in the first season it's not in the first season second season third third season whatever i I haven't i don't remember no no i get what you mean (laughs) you nerd i'm just kidding
1: i'm sorry can you tell me more about lord of the Rings (laughs) and this 12 hour um whatever cosplay you want to (laughs) do
0: we can have like hobbit themed snacks
1: (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay <laughs> oh, alright so moving on he ha- they have a son now and Ronald is basically being told like you will never be shipped overseas again you're too sick he was promoted to the temporary rank of lieutenant in January of 1918 and there he has really fond memories that he talks about with his wife how they would they were stationed at Kingston up on, up on Hull that's how it was worded Kingston upon Hull, and they would go walking through the woods near Ruse and a lot of times when they were alone Edith would just like kind of be silly and like dance for him and like things like that and he always talked about how he admired her so much for just bringing in like a little bit of joy in these Mm -hmm. hard moments and she would just be silly in the woods and he said that um during this time, quote, her hair was raven, her skin was clear, her eyes brighter than you've ever seen them, and she could sing and dance. But the story has gone crooked, and I am left, and I cannot plead before the Lord. So, he basically, he wrote that after her death several years later, is how he was just reminiscing on how beautiful she was, and young and full of life, and how now he's just living life without her. But even, like like I said, this was a time of, like, the world is flying around in shambles around them. And here she was being silly in the forest dancing for him. And that was just like a highlight of his entire life.
0: It sounds like they have such like a, a pure relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how else, to, how else to put that. It's just like.
1: It's adorable. <laughs> it,
0: you know, She's off here being silly and he's just like sitting there in admiration of her. I'm like, oh.
1: And then years after her death, he like thinks about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. Okay, moving on, July 16th of 1919, Ronald was taken off of active service with a temporary disability pension, um, and then he officially left the army on November 3rd of 1920. Uh, He also, at that time, began his first civilian job at the Oxford English Dictionary, where he worked mainly on the history of the words of Germanic origin beginning with the letter W.
0: (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) Very specific.
1: But, I mean, he's working for the dictionary. <laughs> like, they probably had other people working out A through...
0: No, Yeah. You get W. What? You get W, yeah.
1: <laughs> get it? Because it starts with W. That's
0: Sorry.
1: such a cool thing, though. Like, he was working on the letters W in the Oxford Dictionary. So, like, that's most of the words I would
0: see in the Oxford Dictionary might be by him.
1: As long as they're of Germanic origin.
0: As long as they're of Germanic origin. Yeah. Well, dang, how many more are there, then? <laughs> Because English is a freaking mixture of every language out there. Not everyone, but (laughs) Okay, sure. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Isn't that I just thought it was cool. That is really cool. That is really
0: cool. (laughs) I kinda wanna read the dictionary and see like how things are worded differently. Because like, you know, people have different styles of writing. Uh huh. So it's like there's probably not much you can do with definitions, but
1: (laughs) It makes me wanna know how big their team was.
0: Oh. Because if he
1: was working Specifically, on Germanic origin for the letter W. That's one section of W. Mm-hmm. There's an entire alphabet. Anyways.
0: With, <laughs> like, Latin uh, origin and um, other origins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he get it.
1: So, he also... Uh, Was a tutor during this time to undergraduates where he would tutor them privately, which was interesting because he was doing it at the Women's College at Lady Margaret Hall. They were in like, they needed teachers, like they were kind of desperate for teachers in their early years, and he was an anomaly because he was married, and that was really uncommon for professors for some reason back then.
0: Interesting, okay. So,
1: yeah, so he had an interesting job that people wouldn't have suspected, but... It makes sense knowing what we know about him and his history with literature and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, on October 22nd, 1920, Ronald and Edith welcomed their second child, Michael Hillary Rule Rulekeen. And then, during this time, he started working at Pembroke College. He um, then wrote a book called The Hobbit. Maybe you've heard of it. He wrote also it's the- called What? The Hobbit.
0: What's that word mean? <laughs>
1: He then wrote the first two volumes of The Lord of the Rings. So yeah, he did. this is all happening in 1920. Birth of a Child writes a book that is really well known. Mm-hmm. Also during the 1920s, he undertook a translation of Beowulf. You know oh, that is? yeah. Beowulf. Yeah. yeah. So I had heard of that, but I didn't know what it was. So I looked it up and apparently it is one of the most important and most translated works of literature in the world.
0: I'd believe it. I don't don't see really how important it is, but sure.
1: It's mostly with, when it comes to like teaching literature and understanding literature. So it's important within like the line of education, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So he finished translating this in 1926, but he never published it. And so fun fact, his son finally edited the book and published it in 1914, which was almost 90 years later. So, it is published, his translation of it.
0: 1914?
1: 2014, sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) 2014, because he finished it. So, he started in 1920, finished it in 1926, and then his son published it in
0: 2014.
1: 2014. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, 10 years after he finished (laughs) his translation, this is also super interesting. Ronald gave a highly acclaimed lecture on... The work Beowulf, the Monsters, and the Critics, which still is being used in colleges around the world today. Oh, cool. His lecture. And it's basically said, quote, has a lasting influence on Beowulf research, and it is widely recognized as a turning point in Beowulfian criticism. So they use that a lot, apparently, in literature and everything, and I just thought that was... I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I said this a lot. I think it's cool because... We're learning about him and his progression of life and knowing that something that he did in his life progression is still being used today mm-hmm. to help other people on their like their learning journeys, you yeah. know? So moving on, they had... So Ronald and Edith had two more children. Christopher John Rule Tolkien was... Tolkien was born on November 21st, 1924. And then Priscilla Mary Ann Rule Tolkien was born on June 18th, 1929. So they had four kids, one daughter, three sons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ronald was very devoted to his children. He was a very good father and he loved them very much. And he was actually known for, or one of the things that his children remembered is when they were kids, he would send them illustrated letters from Father Christmas or Santa. So he just like made their childhoods really special. That's fun. Yeah. So he's a good dad. Yeah. Okay. We're getting close to the end. Promise. <laughs> when the Second World War began, Ronald was earmarked as a codebreaker. Do you know what that is?
0: Someone who focuses on uh, analyzing like the codes from the enemy enemies yes. and stuff.
1: Yeah. So he was earmarked as a codebreaker, basically saying like, "Hey, we could possibly use this guy." And then in January of 1939, he was actually asked to serve in the cryptographic department of the foreign office in the event of a natural national emergency. Wow. So in preparation for that possibility, he actually started taking um, an instructional course at the London HQ of government code and cipher school. However, in October of that year, he was informed that his services wouldn't be needed, hmm. but I think that's cool. He got to spend like half a year studying like encryptments and code deciphering and <laughs> just things that are interesting yeah so
0: what a cool job
1: right this guy's lived a cool life
0: except for like you know the disease and the yeah
1: losing people that he loves yeah Yeah.
0: but no all in all like it is a really interesting life
1: yeah so um In 1945, Ronald and Edith moved to Oxford, where Ronald became the Merton Professor of English Language and Literature, which is where he remained until he retired in 1959. He also served as an external examiner of the University College Galway. In 1948, Ronald completed the Lord of the Rings, close to a decade after the first sketches. And then in 1954, Ronald received honorary An honorary degree from the National University of Ireland. So, okay. During his life in retirement from about 1959 up until his death in 1973, his books started gaining a lot of traction. And he started gaining public attention and literary fame. It got to a point... So, in 1961, his friend, C.S. Lewis, even nominated him for the Nobel Prize in Literature... That's the only mention of C.S. Lewis. I thought that oh, was cool. Okay. <laughs> and the sales of his books were so profitable that he regretted that he had not chosen early retirement. Oh. But he had no idea. How would you know, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it
0: was just like a little fun thing that he was doing. But. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he actually, later in life, said that he felt like he had kind of become a cult figure because of the fan base that had grown for his books. I mean,
0: imagine if he saw us today. <laughs> <laughs> cosplay i don't think they had cosplay (laughs) back then (laughs) uh and and then people talking about having like 12 hour marathon people actually do
1: that though like (laughs) you're not the first person to think of that i know know. (laughs) yeah so he felt like he had kind of accidentally become a little bit of a cult figure and he even admitted that quote even the nose of a very modest idol cannot remain entirely untickled by the sweet smell of incense so he, although humble, is also kind of loving the, the attention. Oh, yeah.
0: Because, I mean, uh, like, imagine if you had this idea that is like, oh, you know, it's just something fun that I want to do. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden it just becomes the next big thing. Right. Can yeah. you imagine, like, you know, this was just for fun, but now, like, look at me. Like, I'm making all this money on the <laughs> yeah. side from it. And-
1: Honestly, this is one of my favorite parts of the entire story because how many times do you hear stories about how, like, It was like well after their death that someone finally noticed their work, right? No, he got to live with luxury before he died, Mm -hmm. right? And I think, too, like, before this, for years, he was just a professor. I mean, Mm -hmm. not just a professor, but, like, he was just teaching college classes. And now, all of a sudden, he's so famous that he actually had to remove his phone number out of the public directory. Because he was starting to get so many phone calls. Uh, I just think it's, yeah, it's funny, like going from an, uh, a pretty modest life to all of a sudden being super famous for his work yeah eventually he and Edith moved to Bournemouth which was a seaside resort which was patronized by the British upper middle class personally so because of his status as a best selling author they were basically able to get into this like elite society and live in this resort until until Edith passed away essentially and for him, he kind of preferred the college life because they lived so close to campus. He was a professor. He liked that quiet lifestyle. But Edith was, quote, overjoyed to step into the role of society hostess. And so he basically let allowed them to live this high society lifestyle until she died because she loved it. You know she thought it was right yeah and it wasn't even necessarily like a bragging thing it was just like oh she's getting recognized she's getting people waiting on her and Mm -hmm. and these beautiful views and these luxuries that she didn't have before and he he could have lived without it but he wanted to make her happy so they lived like that and a lot of people talked about like watching them together and how deeply they cared for each other and how it was so adorable even up until her death they were still doing things like wrapping presents for each other and just being super cute and silly and things like that yeah, i um, mean we,
0: we all do wrap presents for each other now <laughs> <laughs> so that right. props to them
1: yeah and then of course obviously the big gesture of like giving up his life at oxford so that she could retire at Burnmouth, like It was just, he was willing to do anything for her. Yeah. So, Edith died on November 29th, 1971, at the age of 82. And after her death, Ronald returned to Oxford, where Merton College gave him a convenient room near the high street. So, he basically, like, was given an apartment, essentially. He obviously missed Edith, but he enjoyed his quiet life in his little apartment in the city. Ronald died 21 months later on September Second, nineteen seventy three, from a bleeding ulcer and a chest infection, at the age of eighty one, and he was buried in the same grave with Edith. So, fun fact: Ronald's will was proven on December twentieth, nineteen seventy three, with his estate valued at one hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Sorry, one hundred ninety thousand five hundred seventy seven dollars, which would have been equivalent to two point five million in two thousand twenty one. I'll so. take it. So, so yeah,
0: all I need to do is write a book, or well, three books, four all books. All you
1: need to do, for sure. <laughs> so that is the incredible life of Ronald Tolkien or J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of your favorite book.
0: I wouldn't say it's my favorite.
1: <laughs> oh no, he's <laughs> rolling in his grave. <laughs>
0: cool that was awesome thank you for sharing that
1: i know it's kind of a lot but like
0: no that's a that's a really good story so like, much he had more s- he had such a cool life
1: yeah like, so very, much more happened than just writing and and if you actually like in that story those were just a little blip like a couple sentences
0: mm-hmm.
1: amongst everything else he accomplished but that's what he's best known for
0: it's yeah that's really cool and like hearing a little bit more about his life as well, because I didn't know anything about his life yeah. prior to that, besides the fact that he wrote those books and everything. Um, and, like, the thing about, you know, him creating languages and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, getting to know... Uh, I don't know. He's one of those people, like, I really would have enjoyed getting to know. Yeah. Because he seemed very smart, like, intellectual kind of being, mm-hmm. um, but also very... Uh, like social, very interactive with people and, and caring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like that would have been it would have been really cool to know that guy.
1: Oh, well, and he also seems kind of quirky and I love yeah. that. Like creating languages when he's a teenager, you know, throwing cubes with his girlfriend and mm-hmm. like secret societies and things <laughs> yeah. like that, you know. <laughs> and just all these different things and and who can I mean, how many people can say they've worked on the Oxford dictionary like
0: I don't know. We should pull one open and...
1: Probably a lot.
0: <laughs> Maybe not <laughs> nowadays, but...
1: <laughs> I don't know why that part geeks me out so much. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs>
0: I mean, someone had to write it. I wasn't going to do it. I'm not that smart.
1: Uh, yeah, he has a cool life.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and- I, I thought you were going to mention more about C.S. Lewis because if I'm not mistaken, like a lot of C.S. Lewis... A lot of his writing was very, like, inspired by Tolkien.
1: I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Tolkien didn't write um a lot. He does have, like, you know, a dozen or so works, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are, like, poems or short stories or, like, mm-hmm. things that, like, you know, the Beowulf thing. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's not, he doesn't have a huge library of his own works, but... His works are influential.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Yeah. It's and then, not like The Hobbit is a small book. <laughs> right. No, it's not.
0: Or it's, it's not a very... It wouldn't be an easy book to write either. Right. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't know how common the theme of that stuff was back then, but, you know, writing about wizards, writing about um, all kind of different... What do you call them? Like, demi-humans, I guess? Mm-hmm. Like, dwarves and elves and all those.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, you know... Again, I'm not sure how common it was back then, but Mm -hmm. from what I know, it probably wasn't.
1: He just had quite the imagination. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think that would be really hard to do.
0: And dragons and...
1: Well, and with the things happening in his life, he had two children. Mm -hmm. You know, he was still, you know, kind of struggling from this illness he had contracted during war. Mm -hmm. Struggling with, you know, things like that. And then he's over here writing this huge novel i mean if you're passionate i'm sure it wasn't
0: yeah he probably enjoyed doing it right letting his imagination run wild pretty much
1: might have been a an outlet yeah for him well and i i was thinking about this in comparison to walt disney because i covered his Mm -hmm. his life yeah and a lot of walt's life was dedicated to his corporation to walt disney corporation um, and to the story of Mickey Mouse and to the stories that we know today from mm-hmm. Disney. Whereas this one, it just felt so almost like a side piece like to his life. You know, like I said, there's so much going on and all of a sudden he's like, Oh, and here's the Hobbit <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's how that's how it comes across.
1: <laughs> Cause I don't know how long it took him to write it. I just know that he was he finished it in nineteen twenty. Mm-hmm the same year that his second child was born i don't you know and i there was no mention of like oh he started this when he was overseas like there was nothing like that mm-hmm. it was like all of a sudden 20 1920 comes and here's the hobbit and then moving on and mm-hmm. then and so i mean not that he and walt like one is better than the other it's just so interesting to see how different they they are and they're both like so influential to even today a oh, hundred years later you know
0: like again going back to C.S. Lewis like because I mean so Lord of the Rings and everything it was um, like a lot of it does uh, is it influenced by his like religion and everything um, by Christianity and like C.S. Lewis also does that exact same thing mm-hmm. with his writing yeah like Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe like heavily influenced by by Christianity
1: yeah so I actually didn't know that about um, Ronald Tolkien, Mm -hmm. mostly because I have never read or watched Lord of the Rings. I did know that about C.S. Lewis. However, while researching Tolkien, there was a whole section about religion after the fact, and I wanted to focus on the things that he had accomplished in his life, and not that religion is not important, but like basically baseline is religion was important to him and that came to play in the things that he accomplished in his life right but i didn't feel the need to add another 20 minutes to talk about that if that makes sense Fair and, enough. and kind of the same with c.s lewis um that was just a little bit a little blurb as well it just from what i had read is that they were friends mm-hmm. and c.s lewis was like dude you need recognition for this and he kind of helped get that out there for people yeah. to see so Um, that in itself, I'm sure could be another 20 minute segment (laughs) of the relationship between the two of them. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, well, thank you for that story.
1: Yeah. It makes
0: me really want to go watch (laughs) these movies again.
1: (laughs) It actually makes me want to watch him too, just because like knowing his history, it almost makes you feel a little bit more connected to the story. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm half serious about that movie event. I'm not saying we need to dress (laughs) up. Um. I was like, that was a joke, but I, I really think we should, I don't know, get your brother or something if they want to, um, like, you know, take a Saturday <laughs> to watch all these movies.
1: Logan's over here, like, pulling his headphones out, like, I didn't hear that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It doesn't have to be there. It could just be us.
0: <laughs> but, I yeah.
1: Don't know. I think I'd be willing to watch him.
0: Yeah. Even if it's spread out because, you know, we do have a toddler.
1: Can you and imagine trying to watch 12 hours of movie with Harper? <laughs> yeah,
0: and it has the orcs and everything, which would probably scare her, so... Oh, yeah,
1: fair. Anyway. Cool.
0: Well, thanks again. That yeah, was awesome. Welcome. That was really... That was a really good story.
1: Good, I'm glad you liked I it. I think that's
0: one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed that one a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. But, anyways.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in and for hanging out with us for, well, usually a little bit... Uh, a little bit longer than what we usually do. How long is it? And 20 minutes.
1: Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Um, don't forget to subscribe and also tell your friends. Then tell them to subscribe.
1: Send so in your own stories to familypodcast@gmail.com. Hit up our socials.
0: Yep. You know where we're at. TikTok, awesome Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We would love to hear it. Yes. Put a, <laughs> write a review. Tag us in it. Um, but otherwise we will see well not see we will catch you guys in the next episode
1: do you have any advice for me Um, how am I supposed to sleep without advice
0: oh let me get some advice for you and if life gives you lemons squeeze the juice into a water gun and shoot it shoot other people in the eyes
1: I like it (laughs) alrighty
0: and we'll catch you guys in the next episode
1: bye